Hey everybody, you're about to tune into another episode of the How It's All podcast, and I wanted to take some time out to say thank you for tuning in and showing your support by listening to the How It's All podcast. I hope you all enjoy the episode you're about to listen to. Please subscribe to the How It's All podcast to stay updated with new episodes as well. Thank you all for listening and tuning in, and please continue to do great things. Welcome, everybody, to the How Talk Podcast. This is Jetpack Nick, and I'm here with a very special guest today, longtime friend of mine, filmmaker and entrepreneur, Tony Chenault. Say what's up to the people. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me on the show, bro. No, most definitely, man. How you doing today? Man, I can't complain, man. Just enjoying life, you know, getting work done while watching the Sixers game. Hopefully, <laughs> we can pull out the win. Yeah, for sure, man. You know they got put on for the city. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, man. So... It's, this this has been a long time coming. I I definitely wanted to have you come on the How to Talk podcast because not only do I know you, I've known you basically my whole life, but yeah. just seeing just seeing your transition from being one of the best basketball players in the city of Philadelphia, you know, to me, you're probably the best I've seen with my own two eyes. I'm <laughs> <laughs> close and personal, and I, I've seen a that. lot of great ball players, man. <laughs> I've, I've seen you play against the best. But you always stood out to me. That's why I'm super excited to have you on too. You know, but I, but with that, you transitioned into a whole new realm of things, and it's it's interest of mine too, which I'll let you get in. You know, get into before you know I go on with it. But I just definitely wanted to have you on and talk to you because I feel like you have so much to let people know about, and you got so much depth to you, and your story is very very amazing. Absolutely, for sure, bro. Yeah, so if if you don't mind, let the people know who you are, what you about, what you do, man. Yeah, so like my name is Tony Chenault. Um, grew up in the Omni section of Philadelphia. Um, I'm currently a filmmaker, um, director, and screenwriter. Exactly. I live in Los Angeles. I've been living out here for two years now. Um, just been doing a lot of commercials, doing a lot of writing since I've been out here. Um, other than that, you know, you know some of the things Nick was referring to. You know, before I got into film, you know, I was um playing basketball a lot, you know, was fortunate enough to play um, at two good, great um, collegiate schools, Wake Forest and Villanova. And then from there, um, during my time at Villanova, um, that's when I started to transition, you know, from basketball into the, you know, filmmaking space. Okay. So if I, 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 I definitely got to talk about ball, man, you know. No, like, for sure. For sure. We, we got to talk about it. So, like I said, I I grew up with you basically. You, I mean, you older than me, but you know, I was around. I was a kid when you was doing your thing. But you know, it, mm-hmm. I I think that it's interesting that you know we actually had this platform now where I could talk to you, and now we can actually have adult conversations. You know, mm-hmm. no, <laughs> we, can have sure. adult, we, we can have adult conversations, and you know, kind of talk about what it was like for you to you know grow up playing basketball and then transitioning into. One of the one of the best players in the city, if not the best player in the city, all the accolades that came with that, transitioning into college and doing what you did in college, and then coming out of that, transitioning into the film, uh, to to the filmmaking industry, you know. I, yeah. I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, it was good. You know, um, you know, like you know, playing basketball in Philly is like a religion. Um, you know, so I grew up, you know, just playing at all the different recreation centers. Um. I grew up playing with a local club called the Omni Eagles. And mm-hmm. then from there, we played your older brother, brother Rob Holloman, who was like, you know, one of my arch nemesis, when was like <laughs> 10 and 12 and under. Uh, and uh, I think Rob was playing with FJU, if I'm not mistaken, with Coach X. Yep. Rest in peace of Coach X was a great coach, Fab Five Philadelphia. And then um, then from the Omni Eagles, 
you know, I switched teams, uh, you guys beat us, and then I wound up playing A with you guys with the Fab Five, and then from there, the Fab Five turned into Reebok Raiders, you know, which was Allen Iverson, AAU team, me and Ralph was on that team together, and Nick was young, running on the court all the time, you know, <laughs> at a lot of our AAU tournaments, um, and we traveled all over the country for like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, um, played some of the best players in the country at that time, Lance Stevenson, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Kendall Marshall, Dexter Strickland, just to name a few. Um, and then from there, you know, I, I decided to go to Newman Garetti, which is like in a perennial powerhouse school in the Philadelphia Definitely. area. Um, and I was, you know, went on there and then I, I won two, we won two Catholic League championships. My senior year, we won the States and I think we were finished number two in the country. And I got like every city player of the year award. And that was a huge accomplishment for me in particular because it was only two other players in the city of Philadelphia that have accomplished that other than myself. And that was Malik Waynes and uh, Eddie Griffin. So I was in great company. <laughs> no, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and then from there, um, I went on to play two years at Wake Forest, which was a great experience. Um, playing in the ACC against Duke, North Carolina. And um, during my time at Wake Forest is like when I, I found my identity away from the game of basketball. You know, when you go away from home, I was in North Carolina. So I was forced um, to get out my comfort zone, you know, I'm not like shy, but I'm just an introvert, you know. Right. I'm very observant, you know. I don't, you know, especially just talk to random people I don't know. That's just, you know, you know, just the environment where I'm from. But I was forced to break out of that and, you know, start, you know, expanding my horizon. That's when I knew it was a world outside of basketball when, you know, you're meeting like college, you know, friends and who go to the Hamptons and, you know, vacation there in the summertime. And, you know, I'd never been in a vacation in my life when I got to college. So it started made me, you know, um, my, my lens for life, my perspective um, grew tremendously. And it it, it, it kind of, you know, let me know that I could be something beyond a basketball player. That's when that kind of thing started to spark, kind of ignited for me. And then from there, I transferred back to Villanova. And that's when I really kind of figured, like, man, like, yo, I can – do some other than basketball, and I took a filmmaking class. It's like this screenwriting class. This, this guy named Professor McWilliams. Um, you know, just you know, being able to tell a story from your perspective as a writer, and how art is like a reflection of your reality. That's what made me kind of gravitate to film, and then then from there, it just kind of just grown and grown and grown, and it got me to the position that where I'm at right now in my life. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a it's a big transition. That's a big jump, actually. You know, especially yeah, a guy mm-hmm. like you. You know, you well, how old are you now? Late twenties, early thirties? No, I'm thirty, man. I just oh, you thirty now? Yeah, me and Rob is the same age. I'm just probably like a few months younger than Rob. Oh, all right. All right. Well, congrats on getting to thirty, baby. Yeah, it's a, it's a blessing making it thirty, man. Making it thirty where we from is like, oh, see a lot of your friends start getting killed and yeah. just going down the wrong path or or you know going to jail. And, you know, making it 30 is an accomplishment, man. And, and it's, it's something that you could definitely be celebrated from where we're from. No, most definitely. But, you know, but like just it's, it's interesting that, you know, be, being that, that you're 30 years old and, you know, you you were one of the best players in the city, you know, playing at, at top level Division One colleges, you know, dreams and aspirations of the NBA. But then you, you know, you, you did, you know, things that, that the likes of like a, the, the late great Kobe Bryant did. Right. You know, he he, he got into film. Oh, but after... Kobe was a little more accomplished than me. I'm not going <laughs> to. No, no. But I, no I, yeah. but I mean, yeah. just 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 off the strength of like you kind of getting into that 
in, into the film thing, you know, directing yeah. and, 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 you know, producing and things like that, you know, when generally, you know, a guy like you, who was one of the best players in the country, you know, you, you would be in your prime of your career in the, in the NBA or something like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, things, things happen. And if you would like to get into that, we can. But yeah, yeah no, for sure. Like life happens and, and as you grow and evolve. You know, your passion change. And I, I think right. sometimes as athletes, man, we're so caught up on being the best in our sport that we forget to develop other areas of our lives. Exactly. You know, it's everything so focused, whether it's your parents or your, your older siblings, cousins, old heads in the neighborhood, coaches. They all want the best for you. But while you're just like tunnel vision to this one goal, you're missing out on life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's, 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 it's a difficult transition to make when you stop playing the game, when you play the game 12 to 16 hours a day, right? That's all, you know, you never worked an internship. You never had a summer job as a teenager. Right. So these basic real world skills you're missing out on and you have to develop them, you know, while, you know, some of your classmates, whether in high school, they working at readers and Wendy's and, 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 and kicks USA getting that real world experience. We're on AAU tournaments all summer. We don't have the, um, just the time to do that. So uh, it's definitely a learning experience. And I, I just think you just have to use your sport, whether it's football, basketball, whatever sport you play as a vehicle, because everybody's professional at playing sports, but you can get a free education. Yeah. You know I mean? That free edu- education can transpire into you being an engineer, being a doctor, lawyer, um, you know, some working in some type of business space or entertainment space, whatever you want to do. But the importance is to get that free education, which, you know, which give you just the passport to do great things, you know, once, once your sport is over. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm glad that you brought that up too, because like I said, you're in, you're in an interesting space, like, you know, you, you being still relatively young and things like that, you know, but you just made the jump. Like generally you don't see that from athletes or if you, or if you do see that athletes who were very, very prominent in their sport, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, whatever the sport may be, you know, they tend to struggle with and damn well, what's life after this sport especially mm-hmm. if they're young guys, but you, you was able to transition that into, you know, a, a, a very, very good career in filmmaking and producing. And my question would be, how easy was that transition for you to make, especially doing it at such a young age where you feel as though you probably could have been doing more with your sport? Um, it, For me, it, 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 was, it was easy, but for everybody around me, it was difficult. Because when you thought of Tony Chenault, you just thought of basketball. You know, anybody that, whether it's a coach or just friends or family that watched me grow up to a kid, to a young man, they, I, you identified me with basketball. So when I told everybody my plans to start, you know, directing and doing short films and web series and things like that, because, you know, I don't, I don't come from a family of rich money. I, I come from a single parent home. And right. my mom passed away when I was in college, so. You know, when we were doing these short films and we did the whole, the web series Old Head, that was all funded by me and, and just me just begging people. Like, yo, can you give me $150 to go towards this and just using my, my resources? Like, you know what I mean? That was all shoestring budgets, what they would call it, in guerrilla-style filmmaking. But, you know, it, it's, it's a benefit of not knowing. If I knew everything that I knew now, I would have did things a lot differently, but it might not have been as much, as might, the, the content and the stories we were telling might not have been as pure. It might not have been as, um, 
compelling, if that makes sense. So I tell anybody, anybody when you want to do something, the first step is actually just doing it. Who what, like don't don't be affected by what other people's um, opinions are, what other people might, might try to persuade you to do things how the way that they see you. But it's all about what how you see yourself and what you feel about yourself. Like nobody believed your vision until it actually come to fruition. Right. And it, it took me four or five years for people to like really like a year or two ago for people to really realize like yo this guy is really a filmmaker. It was still even when I was putting out web series different seasons we was getting hundreds of thousands of views and articles in source magazines articles in this publication that publication people still had a hard time accepting me at being as that but once they seen the consistency and it just getting better and better over time people eventually had to you know start paying that homage to to the work we were putting out yeah of course i mean consistency pays and you know from from the sounds of it and just me you know knowing you for as long as i have been following your career you know after basketball i can definitely see that the consistency's paid off like you know fancies you you did a you did a music video for one of my favorite rappers man <laughs> yeah 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 we did a music video with benny the butcher he was a good dude man it was fun working with him but but that's just from years of just putting in work though you know you don't get those opportunities by just sitting around and hoping somebody gave you an opportunity. Nobody gave me an opportunity in this business. Nobody. I went out there and I took it. I went out there and put the work in. I went out there and made the, the connections with people. I went out there and I found the talent. I developed the talent. We didn't have no big name actors in our web series, but mm-hmm. when you're doing something that's authentic and that's real and, and that's 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 compelling, the people is going to determine your, your, your greatness. Not a producer from Hollywood or a studio. It's the people. And I think that's to the core, we sometimes forget we want validations from these people that already made it, but the people are the consumers. They give you the validation that you need. Yeah, so so let me ask you. Um, I want to ask you about your creative process. You know, you like, like what it is that goes into what you think about when you're producing or when you're picking talent or trying to put together a script or a project. Like, what does that creative process look like for you? Uh, essentially, we just want to get somebody that that can bring that character to life. So if I if I got a character that's wise or that's that's worldly, that's 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 been around for a long time, have a you know wide range of different experiences, we want to find an actor that can bring that to life. That when you hear this person talk, this person represents wisdom, knowledge, things like that. Um, and then just in terms of writing, man, like I write a lot, man. I try to write every day at least for three or four hours, because if, if you talk to any great writer, writing is rewriting. Right. It's not in the first or second draft you really find your story. It's not to maybe the 10th or 12th draft of you writing, whether it's a, a book or, or a screenplay, whatever it is you're writing, that you actually find out what the story is. Everybody's story starts off horrible. <laughs> Everybody, no matter if you're Spike Lee, Martin Scorsese, Christopher Nolan, it starts because you just conceptualize it, and then you got to constantly crave it, and you got to constantly it's like it's like shooting 500 jump shots a day, right? Like, right, you got to go back and you got to constantly just tighten it up, keep tightening it up, keep making it make sense, okay? You know, because you know, like, I mean, because like, even, even with me with the podcast, like, you know, like, of course, I had like rough drafts, and you know, some of the early episodes might have not been that great. But, you know, as time went on, as, as practice happened, like, you know, I definitely got better with it. The conversations became more natural, more fluid. But then, you know, like with the 
with, with the writing process, like on your side, right? Like, is it, like, it does it become taxing at a point or is it just like, it's just a, a creative process and it's like exciting to you to see how it goes from the start. It kind of starts from scratch and then it becomes this big production. Like, is that exciting to you? Yeah, man. I, I, when, when you're doing film, it's three different projects. The pre-production zone pr- project, the production is own project, and then you have the post-production. They are all separate projects, to, just to be completely transparent okay. with you. Um, and, yeah, teach me, the, man. <laughs> yeah, in the, in the pre-production process, you're just trying to figure out what is the story and who are the characters in the universe. That's what you're really trying to figure out, right? So right. You, you, you go in, you, you create a treatment. Even before a treatment, you might write out all your scenes and write out the purpose of each scene and and then after you get that and you get a detailed treatment, then you move on to the script. It's like steps. And then after you do that, once you get to the script, the script is the easiest part. Really? It's all the other work, yeah, because the script, you're just really writing the characters' voices, you're writing the story. But it's like figuring out the story is the most difficult part. That's why it, it takes, people understand, sometimes it takes 10 to 15 years to get a script right or get the story right. Like NWA take, took them 10 to 12 years to work on that script. Wow. So think about it, 10, 12 years, probably like over like 500 drafts. It may take you three to four months to write a really, really good draft, a readable draft. And then you get to the production side where you might, if the writer is not the director, you might have a director come in and he want to make his notes and he want to make his revisions, right? So he has to make the story his and he has to be able to articulate what the writer said in the actual script. You know what I mean? Right. And then production, you know, you, so let's say for a feature film, production could kind of be like, might take three to four months to shoot a movie. Typically, you shoot five days, 12, 12 to 14 hour days a week. Um, and that's three to four pages a day. So what you watch, sometimes, just imagine you watching the Tyler Perry uh, TV show. Something you watch in 10 seconds takes an hour and a half to shoot. For every scene, you're shooting four or five different shots, minimum, right? And, right? and sometimes more shots in movies because movies is more creative than TV. TV, just standard shots, right? But, like, mo- movies, you get super creative, so it could be more shots than that. In each shot, you do probably three to four takes. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, this this sounds so that, this it, sounds it, very it, complex. It's, it's very, <laughs> yeah, it's very complex, and but but there's a lot of different moving parts to it. So it's like a team. So you have your director, you have your DP, you have your line producer, you have um just executive producers who are there just to support for the the, the director and the, and the DP. Then you have the assistant directors, and then you have the actual talent, right? And everybody's working cohesiveness to put out the best work possible. The goal is to put out the best story or TV show possible. And then you get the post-production aspect, which is the last part. And you might do three to four cuts, you know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. after you get you, the, the director or the studio, whoever's making get the final cut, they make the decision to do the final cut. Then you start the music component of it. So now you got to bring mm-hmm. in a music, a music composer to come do the music or a music supervisor. And that's his own process. And then after that's done, you put the music and the actual footage together. Boom. Now you go to color correction. That's his own process. So that's his own person, own job to come in to color the whole movie. Because you shoot the footage raw. Right. Like what you watch 
on TV is not how we shoot it. We shoot it raw, which which would mean we shoot the content like flat. Like, you know what I mean? It's not color graded at all. The color graded is like the last component of the actual project. Yeah. And, and we were doing all this. Like I said, I was doing all this. With, but I wanted to give you perspective. I was no, right. All, I was doing all this before five people in the crew, which is me and some, some of my classmates from friends. We started a production company. And we were just hungry. And we were doing we were, we were doing a 30-man job with five people. <laughs> that shit sounds crazy. To post. And we doing a web series. So mm-hmm. no, it's, it was fun though. It's like if if you, it's like respect your passion, your passion. Of course. It. You don't it's like you can do this all day, just being on pod with different guests. You know what I mean? So when you're passionate about something, you, you're not looking at the work. You're just embracing your joy. No, yeah, but you know, all that stuff you just named, I don't, I don't do half of that stuff with the podcast. Well, podcast <laughs> is more. It's, 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 podcast is kind of just more. It's more simple. It's. I think. I think podcast is going to overthrow talk shows eventually. You think it's so? Such a, yeah, because like anybody can do it, right? And then like you got to think about it. Look at the ratings for the talk shows, how they going down, and think about how many people are listening to podcasts, whether it's motivational podcasts, right. lifestyle cop podcasts. Sports podcast, educational podcast. It's, it's it's so many different layers, and it's cheaper production wise. True. You know what I mean? Why would you pay millions of dollars for a talk show when you could just do a podcast out your bedroom and you could make millions of dollars, and the company could come partner with you, whether a YouTube, whether a bar store, bar sports, or Revolt, they'll come partner with you, and they would just basically come on as partners for your podcast or how you negotiate your deal. Yeah, in the long run, that definitely makes more sense. As, yeah, as far just as in the long run, I think yeah, just some money because end of the day, people want content quicker, faster. Right. You know that's what I mean? Fact. Like, like we're gonna like the Marvel movies is the only thing that's gonna have an excuse to take a while to produce. Everything else has to be done quicker because the world wants things quicker. We're not waiting three years or or, or nine months for something no more. We have to move at a quicker pace now. So knowing that, right, like how, how does that change or affect the way that you go about producing or filmmaking? Does that change it at all? Yeah, you know what I mean? Because like, like for example, like we might get a million dollars and then be like, yo, you got three or four weeks to shoot this movie with a million dollars and we have to figure it out. You know what I mean? We have to be very attentional. We have to explain to everybody in our crew and cast like, hey, we we only get three or four takes a shot. We might do four shots a scene, uh, four shots a scene. So like we have to get it on these takes. You know what I mean? We working on a time limit, and time is money, man. Think about it, man. Uh, uh, one page of a script could be equivalent to ten thousand dollars a day. For some for some movies, it could be a hundred thousand dollars. You're doing a Marvel movie. You know what I mean? Right. So you you got to keep that in perspective, and everybody has to come be prepared to do the best of their ability at their job in order for us to have a, a, a productive production. Yeah, man. I, I think I think I'm gonna just stay in front of the camera, man. I did drama club a little <laughs> bit in college. I'm gonna stay in front of the camera. <laughs> Sounds no, a lot easier. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I I would just definitely recommend you visit some sets and things like that, man. Just to you know continue to get that experience, that knowledge, man. It's 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 priceless. I think you will like it though. Just even just learning the more you learn about it, especially just and even as a podcaster, because you could actually like a real show where you actually doing vis- video now, not just audio. Yeah, 
you know, I'm 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 in the process of, of working on that currently. You know, maybe may, maybe not to the to, to the level of Tony Chanel Productions, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on something, man. You know, I definitely gotta you know bring the personality out a little bit more than than just the voice. You know, people are, are generally visual, so you know they relate to things that they can see, not just what they can hear. No, I feel you. I definitely feel you. Speaking of that, do you see yourself stepping from behind the camera and in front of it? Nah, I'm 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 comfortable as, you know, <laughs> just being behind the camera and um, you know, I I just love the just directing and, and and the writing aspect of it and just you know seeing how everything come together visually. That's where I get my uh, gratification gratification from in the production process. You know, I know how to act though. I actually took a lot of acting classes. Right. You know, I think part of being a great director is understanding what the actors are going through. So you can know how to effectively communicate with an actor. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if you were if you were to step in front of the camera and act in whether it's your own production or someone else's production, I think you'll definitely do a great job with it. Now, if you had the motivation to do it or the, the drive to do it, I don't know if that's what you want to do. But me personally knowing you, I think that yeah. you'll definitely do good with that. You got the personality <laughs> for it. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, bro. You know, just just a little side note. You know, shameless plug. Uh, yeah, man, when, whenever whenever you get a chance to uh, get me in one of your productions, let me know, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. You, I definitely think you should definitely act. There's a lot of opportunity with that. You know what I mean? I think it help growing your brand too. What you're doing. No, absolutely, man. You know, I I need to get in one of them kissing scenes with one of my favorite actresses. <laughs> <laughs> No, man. No, but but that's dope though. I, I'm I'm definitely excited to see what else you come up with and to kind of go back go to that point. What do you have in the process right now? Yeah, if we right talk now, about it. Um, yeah, well, we just um we're gonna make a uh, turn transition over the series into an actual feature film. We're gonna do oh, that wow. this summer. Okay. And then uh, I have another movie that I'm just pitching to a lot of produce cope pitching to networks and streaming companies called Dollar Party, which is a comedy, which is about just dollar parties. Anybody from Philly knows yeah, right. dollar <laughs> parties used to be popping back in the day. So it's a, it's a coming to age story that everybody's going to enjoy. That's, you know, going to bring back, you know, a lot of memories for a lot of people. Especially you grew up in that era of the throwback jerseys, the Nike yep. Air Force Ones, and what the culture was like back then. You know, before the cell phones, when you know, if a girl called your house, your mom would answer and say, hey, Ashley on the phone. <laughs> it was something different about that, man. It was a good era. It was a great era. era. <laughs> great era. Oh, man. So do, do you have anybody in mind, like, to, to play the roles that you've written out? Uh, yeah. I mean, we've been, I can't really talk about the doc, the, the actual actors. Okay, been in okay. Communication with, uh, communication with, but we have some, some pretty well-known actors, especially for the Dollar Party film, um, that, uh, that's interested in coming on board. We just got to get, you know, figure out the business. And All right. Okay. Be great. Now, we, don't, don't forget what I said, man. You know, <laughs> I, if you got a little role for me, you need to write a new role, man. You know, I, I come out to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're actually gonna shoot that in the East Coast. So oh, like all right. just like FYI, they, they rarely shoot anything in LA. Only thing shot in LA is TV at studios. The money comes from LA, but it's usually shot like in Midwest, you know, East Coast down south. 
all the movies you see. And why why is it not shot in in California? What's the I mean, LA in particular? Oh, it's just, just, it's just LA in particular. Yeah, because a lot of people okay. think so. Like, unless it's like a, a, a show, like a movie, but like it's just hard with the securing locations are expensive gotcha. out here. Gotcha. Things like that. Like you can't just pull up and pull out cameras nowhere. Like, no, right, right. Like you need a hood pass and you need a permit. exactly. <laughs> You know what I mean, Philly, <laughs> Philly, you just need a hood pass. You don't need a permit. You know what I mean? So, right, yeah, California is a different animal, man. Yeah. No, yeah. So, I, I, I kind of want to go back to the basketball thing, not to talk specifically about basketball, but more so how you use basketball to transition into what you're doing. Like how, like at what point at during during your basketball career did you say, yeah, man, I'm just gonna you know, start going to film? Like, what was that process like for you? It was my senior year. You know, I just lost my mom, you know, going to my senior year. I was in a, just a weird space in my life. Right. I was trying to find something that that gave me the joy that basketball once did. And, you know, I always loved to write, like, you know, like short stories and things like that. But I never had grew up with no resources. There was never no film programs in my community or no film clubs in any of the schools I was at. So right. I didn't never knew how to, you know, to expand that that craft. So, you know, like I said, when I got in school at Nova, my senior year, I was just looking for something and I took that 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 screenwriting course and, you know, it, it ignited something in me. And it gave me the joy that I, I, I had as a young kid when I was playing basketball. And I'm like, yeah, this this is what I want my career to be. You know that's that's interesting because you know it's it's it, well it's rare to even find your first passion like some people don't even find yeah. their first passion but you found a second passion you know that's that that's pretty amazing especially since you're doing well in it like what kind of advice would you give people who are kind of going through like a similar process as you? Just be open. You know sometimes we're so closed minded. Sometimes we might not want to go to an open mic night, but that open mic night could turn to you being a poet. Sometimes you might not want to take this class, but that class could turn into you finding your new passion or, you know what I mean? Or we might yeah. not be open to going to events and, and or, or, or going to seminars and things like that. You just have to be open to new things. And when you're open to new things and, and willing to, you know, have um, new experiences, things, something eventually will ignite to you or ignite for you, I'm sorry. And then that's what allow you to like, yo, this is what I want to do. But if you're not exposing yourself to those opportunities, how are you ever going to know what you love other than your sport? No, yeah, that's that's true. That's true. And you know, I like even for myself, like doing a podcast, like I've I've been able to connect with a lot of different people who normally I probably wouldn't be able to talk to just because they're in like different places or like we don't run in the same kind of environments. But the podcast has kind of allowed me the chance to connect with those people, build with those people and kind of learn from them. like just mm-hmm. through the, through the medium of a podcast, which sometimes could be understated by people who don't do this or just kind of don't know the science behind it. And mm-hmm. I can kind of see similarities between what I'm doing with this and what you're doing now with the film thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's definitely a lot of similarities and it just like keep growing. Like I would do, I find like podcast seminars. I will find like, you know what I mean? It's a lot of things online. And as the world starting to open back up, the economy, you can go to these seminars and you can get the information of how to spend your brand, how to get paid advertising, right? But you have to know the business of your craft. Most definitely. You know, and that's some one of the things, you know, sometimes that creators 
we always depend on whether manager or agent. It's not their responsibility to tell you the business because they're going to tell you what's best for them. You need to know the business of your craft so you can learn what's best for you, not creatively, but also business as business wise as well. Okay. So and also another thing, oh, network within. Like you probably know people that went to school with you or you know, like I said, you you know me, you know other people, like even right. like some like just other coaches you may have that may know, know certain people that's further than you right now in your career in the podcast or media space. And they could help you connect the dots so you can have a conversation with these people. Definitely. You you read in my mind, man, because I was about to, I was about to ask you that question. I was about to say, so, you know, going through this process, like, I, I know you mentioned uh, one of your professors. You said his name was Mc, Professor McWilliams? Yeah, Steve McWilliams. Right? Yeah, so you mentioned him. But outside of him, like, has there been any other people who have mentored you through, you know, through the transition from the current basketball to your current film? Not in film, per se, because a lot of people didn't know. Like, a lot of people didn't, like I said, like, all my resources, was these people were just business people, and they tried to make the connection with some film friends they knew. But you know the answer I got every time I told people I wanted to do film? Go to L.A. Go to L.A. Go to L.A. (laughs) Go to L.A. and figure it out. I'm like, what does that mean, though? (laughs) Right. Like, you know what I mean? And it it gets to the core, and, and when I got out here, you're right. You got to go to LA and figure it out. <laughs> when, when when did you actually get to LA though? About two years ago. Damn man. So the whole time prior to that, I was just in Philly doing it. You know, I came to a point in Philly and I was like, man, like I've been here, I've been doing it. I feel like I exhausted all my contacts in terms of people, you know, who were doing things in the media and film space, and you know, I wanted to go to that next level, and I just felt like LA was the right place for me to be able to, you know, expand, you know, who I am as a filmmaker and expand my brand. So once you got to L.A., would you say that the transition from Philly to L.A. like was was pretty easy? And then no, also... it wasn't easy because okay. I came in the middle of the pandemic. Oh, so no, a right, lot of right, opportunities right. I had lined up um, got pushed back about gotcha. six to nine months. You know what I mean? Like, so I would just I, I really learned um, the benefit or just learned how to be patient how to be patient and how to work hard while being patient, how to still continue to work while being patient. You know, it was six to eight months I was unemployed because they wasn't doing no productions at all. Right. So I'm just trying to figure out how to, you know, meet people via email, have, you know, Zoom sessions with people, things like that. And then once I start getting back on set, things start rolling and it just took me two or three months to really get in a good position out here once things start, you know, opening back up in the production world. Oh, yeah, because I was about to ask you that, too, you know, like, along with the question I just asked was, like, you know, like, when once you got out there, was it easy to make the connections for people who were in the same field as you? But you kind of did. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, it was. (laughs) Yeah, it was. But, like, you know, because a lot of people from Philly out here that's that's media moguls, and once they seen I was in L.A., they took me more serious, to be honest with you. They're like, you moved out here? You out here now? All right, I got you. And it, it was a lot of opportunities lined up, but COVID pushed a lot of that stuff back. You know, you know, you know, in this life, you know, you got to no, make right, adjustments. Right. Things happen out of your control. You can't be, you can't sulk about it, be bitter, but you just, you know, you had to learn how to, you know, make the adjustment to work around it. No, yeah, that's true. Like again, like even with me, like just making the connections, you know, through the pod. Like, like of course, I like I would want to do different kinds of visuals with people, but you know, some people don't want to be around because of COVID and things like that. And then, you know, the opportunity to meet different people also kind of got pushed back because of the pandemic and things like that. But, you know, we, we maintained and 
you know, we almost on season three with the with the podcast now. So you know, and, and <laughs> back to what I said, the fundamental thing: just keep putting out content. Just keep putting out content. It eventually is going to stick, and it's just when you have enough content and you you, you draw a fan base or you build a fan base, they will come. Advertisers will come. Um, streaming companies and networks, they will come. But the key thing is building the fan base and keep putting out content. Okay, so so what would you say, or like what advice would you give people as far as how to efficiently market yourself or your product? I think you got to figure out who your target audience to. Like, who do you market your product to? I, I think a lot of creators don't even know. That's a simple thing to know. Like, who's my target audience? Who I'm aiming to get my message out there to? Who do I want to see my content? Once you be able to answer that question, you would know how to market. Like, all right, my 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 target audience is middle aged people. I need to do a lot of Facebook ads. If it's young millennials, I need to do Instagram ads. I need to figure out how to do a cool dance on TikTok. You know what I mean? Right. To build up some type of rival traction. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like it, at least for me, like it's. Like I, I always kind of think about, do I specifically make content for my target target audience, or do I try to also make content for the masses? And like that, that's a that's a a, a tricky situation for me specifically, and I'm pretty sure a lot of other people because you, you know you you try to reach more people, you try to just reach more people yeah, outside you of target your target audience. audience, right? You got to know your core audience, like because I've been in conversations. Which just I know how executives think, media executives and, and, and studio heads and and uh, just streaming companies. They're gonna ask you who's your core audience. If you don't know that, then like, all right, we can't do business with this guy. Right, who's his core audience? He's not competent in his business. Definitely, but but do you feel like uh, it's it's well? I don't, I don't know if one's more important than the other, but I'll just ask the question. Do you feel like it's more important to make content specifically for your target audience or do you feel like it's also important to try to make content that that relates to the masses that's not necessarily think, your target audience I, no because you can't everybody you everybody your thing is not everybody's thing right does that make sense like, yeah absolutely like for example everybody's not going to like old head so i focus on everybody liking old head i lose the parody of the content now and the show or the series or the story Right, like everybody might not like your thing, so you focus on your target audience, and then the people that's not your target audience will become your target audience. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just a process of staying the course. I mean, you know, yeah. like because because you could definitely make stuff for your target audience, and it may not do the numbers that you thought it might do, like at least right away. And you know, yeah, just staying but, consistent. But you with have them. But you have an audience, though. That's yeah, exactly. The whole point exactly. You have to you have an audience and you're committed to that audience and that audience will grow if you continue to feed them things that they they can embrace in the light. Instead of worrying about somebody that's not your target audience like your content. Yeah, but you know some people just tend to think like, damn, such and such doesn't like my, my stuff. And that's that's a I think that's a normal thing. Like that's human nature. But you know, just trying to stay disciplined and stay consistent with making making products or making content that fits that that circle of people who really really follow you every week or Mm -hmm. you know watch every production or buy your product like every time you drop something new like i I definitely think it's something to be said for those people who who stick by you and 
support your, your your business or your content or whatever you're putting out to the public. Like, I definitely think it's something to be said about those people. And the best way to uh, show appreciation to those people is to continue to make things that they like or support. Mm-hmm. I agree. That was a bar. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> No man, no that that's that's dope though. That's dope, you know. And uh, hopefully, I see you know we see more people kind of get into this space because I do think that there's a lot of people who have a talent for this kind of thing. It is because it's like playing sports. We all can get a basketball. Of course, we all got an iPhone now. So like the days of like gatekeepers saying what works and what doesn't work, it those days are over. The power to create something and own our our narrative. All of us. So it's like everybody has an iPhone. Everybody has a MacBook. You don't need to go spend money, hundreds of dollars at a studio. You can record your music or your podcast right in your bedroom on your MacBook or your iPhone. So what's your excuse? You know what I mean? Like if you want to go hoop, all right, get a basketball and go to the park. What's your excuse not to get better? Some people are just not that good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but but no, that's true too. That's the reality. If you're not good, you're not good. You might gotta find something up, find something else. You might gotta start exploring other other you know other things. But I'm just saying, just the access accessibility for you to now put out you know podcasts or do web series and upload it or short films uploaded to YouTube or film festivals. It's 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 accessible now to everybody. Yeah, you know, and and you know like. I, I definitely can see more people getting into this space. Like you see TikTok blowing up. Instagram, of course, was already big. Uh, YouTube is getting bigger by the day. So, you know, it's definitely a space for everybody to put out content for people that like what they like. You know, everybody has different interests. And now you can definitely put content out for people who have those interests. Absolutely. So outside of everything that you've been working on now and you know some of the films that you that you got going on what else have you been working on um those that's just pretty much it and just you know just trying to be the best possible person I can be man trying to be a better brother better son and you know what I mean just you know I just don't want to evolve just focus on you know my me evolving as a filmmaker but also just as a person, too, just being a good person. Yeah, man, you dope, man. <laughs> yeah, One man. of the best. <laughs> no, that's important, though. Like, you know, just, you know, just a good person, good things happen to good people. I'm a firm believer in that. Just being Definitely. solid, you know. Definitely. All right, so couple, couple of things before we go. I know we ain't talking a lot of ball, but just, just, just to satisfy the, the needs of the basketball listeners that's going to listen to this, right? Got sure. two questions for you. One. Who was the first person to really give you problems on the court? Man. Like, what do you mean by problems? Like somebody I'm going at it with or somebody? Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, so, I, yeah. So, somebody you're going at it with or, or, or somebody that you just couldn't stop? Just, just, only person I think I ever, I know for a fact, ever really killed me, it was this kid named Keith Applin that went to Michigan State, and he played a little bit in the NBA. And we played him at this tournament in high school called Speece, like he gave me 30, and there was nothing I could do. <laughs> I'm talking about I couldn't make no shots. I think I had, like, the hardest 12 or 15 of my life. <laughs> but his 30 was just so effortlessly. I'm like, this dude is tough. 
and it was nothing I could do with him. And then okay. him, and I'll probably say like Kyrie, but like when I played against Kyrie, it was more of a back and forth. Right. Yeah, damn, man. man you no, Kyrie, he killed me, crazy. but I don't think he was like, <laughs> I would say like Kyrie was definitely tougher to guard, but he just was just cooking. He was just, you know how you just play somebody, yo, this that person day. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Was his day when he played me. Okay, second question, basketball related. Who was the best player you've ever played against? Oh, Kyrie Irving, by far. Oh, close. by far, it's not yeah, even close. close. Played against Tyree Evans, Carmelo, Chris Paul, um, all those, all those guys. That's and not Kyrie Irving's the best player you've ever played. It's against? not but close. It's not but close. He's just, he just Kyrie's just different, bro. Like there's no other way to put it. He has a a counter for everything you do to try to stop it. And it's just so easy for him. Okay. All right, man. You, you, I mean, for shit, you named, you named a couple Hall of Famers right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he was harder to guard than all of them. <laughs> Not even close. Not even close. Like night and day. Apple, tomato. No, no, no. Apples and oranges. Right. No, okay. Shouts out to Kyrie Irving, man. Hopefully he gets healthy. So we, we definitely yeah, miss him out there on the court. He's a once. He's like, he's like the AI of this generation. Definitely. And the reason why people don't give him the credit, I feel like he deserves, like an AI, because I don't know. I just think his, you know, his approach off the court is a little bit different than AI. You know what I mean? It seems like when basketball is over, he likes to go back to his cocoon with AI. Mm-hmm. Was like an ILE, like a people's champion. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, see, me personally, I, I like Kyrie Irving a lot. Like, not just his, his basketball ability, but him as a person. I, I think he's a dope, interesting no, guy. No, no, he's just, he's dope. He's outspoken, on, um, but he's like kind of like he just like being in his own cocoon to a, a degree. If that makes sense. No, nah, shit, ain't, ain't nothing wrong with that. Sometimes people could be too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. definitely true. And shouts out to Kyrie Irving, man. And everybody else you name. Shout out Reek too, man. You know. Oh, I love Reek. you know, I love Reek, but like No, nah, yeah, for sure. Reek, you know, Reek, 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 Reek played with the Raiders with us. Like for sure. Yeah. He Reek was Reek was, was special, but Kyrie is a little bit different. No, nah, I, I was I'm not mad at that. I'm not <laughs> if you say that, I'm not mad at that at yeah. all. Like, you know, Kyrie, yeah. arguably the best point guard in the league. You know, some that may sound blasphemous to some people, but to others that might be the truth. Guard, I would say this. I think other than Kevin Durant. Kyrie might be by far the most skilled player in the NBA. Definitely. Definitely. That, that's not even a question to me, at least. He has the best footwork. You know what I mean? He has a mid, he might have the best mid-range game in the league. And he just knows his spots. Like he's a six two, a six foot two version of Kevin Durant. Only if he was six six. <laughs> if he's six six, he'd be cool, be probably. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, but that's that's crazy, man. You it's definitely something to be said about your, your basketball career. I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't go too, too much without talking about your ball, man. But no, it's all good, bro. It does, man. Like, That's part I, of the story. That's part of the journey. No, man. of course. But I, I wanted to shed a lot, a lot more light on what you got going on now, since this mm-hmm. is, you know, happening now and not what mm-hmm. happened then. Like, shit, I, I was there for that, so I know it already. But you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, but you know, everybody else may not know. But you know, they they could look at us with Google for. <laughs> yeah, definitely, it's definitely on Google. Very Googleable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So the last thing I need from you, man, is please, because I, I, you, you got so much to give to the people. Can you please drop three gems for the listeners that they could take away from this, this conversation, or that they could just apply to their life? 
Um, just uh, the one gem I definitely could drop is learn how to network from within. You know, sometimes we get so pressed about, oh, I got to get in contact with this person or that person that's already made it. But you got to have a, a firm understanding that, that their time is very limited. So when you're networking with colleagues or people within the same space that you are in their career, you guys can really help each other evolve. Um, and another one is just just do the work. Like, I, I think sometimes we, we, we try to worry about everything else besides doing the work. When you do the work, the audience will come, the notoriety will come, everything will come if you do the work. And then lastly, just master your craft. The more you do the work, you know, you master your craft. It's like, I don't know if you ever read the, read the book, The Outliers. You cannot no, become a master. You, you should read it. It's a great book. Okay. I actually, I shot a commercial with Malcolm Gladwell with GM. So, okay. and, and then he's, he's a very knowledgeable guy that about the book, but he's basically just saying like, you cannot become a master of your craft until you put in 10,000 hours of hard work. So like, do you want to become a master of this, this, this podcast space? Have you put in 10,000 hours of hard work in it? I, I ain't put 10,000 hours in it, but I'm on my way to it. <laughs> you got to keep going. And then when you put in 10,000, you got to keep putting in even more hours. You know what I mean? True, true. So those are your three, man. Those are three yeah. great ones. Those are three diamonds. Like, I don't need gems. They're diamonds. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and like I said, like, you know, just, just do the work. There's no excuses, man. Everybody has a MacBook Pro. Everybody has an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, every application is on both of those devices. Definitely. So you got to look yourself in the mirror. What's your excuse? What's my excuse that I might get it done? No, that's true, man. You know, like, I, listen, I'm I'm proud of you, man. If if no, I didn't thank say you. that, I appreciate. It. I'm proud of I'm, you too. I'm proud man. of you, bro. The best snotty snotty nose kids running around at the games, <laughs> jumping out your mom arms. Now you got your own podcast. It's, it's about evolving, bro. That's all it is: evolving and, and and finding your passion, and you know, figuring out you know how your passion can become a way that you you know can make a living off of it and, and be able to take care of your family. And empower the people around you. That's what life is about. No, seriously. Well, I mean, you know, just it, I got a dope platform where I could bring on a lot of dope people, and mm-hmm. you, you, you now amongst those people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I want to thank you for that, man. You know, no, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. No, absolutely. You know, I, I love you, bro. I'm proud of you, baby. I love I you too, wait. man. Keep I working. can't wait to see what else you got going on. But don't forget about me, man. I need I need to get in one of them them films. <laughs> yeah, man. When I come back to Philly, this maybe we should just you know sit down. Yeah, definitely. Just to catch up. Definitely. All right. Well, with that being said, I want to thank you for coming on the How Talk podcast and providing us with a dope conversation. I want to thank the listeners and supporters for listening every week. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. Thank y'all so, so much. And this has been another episode of the How Talk podcast. Thank you, my brother. Yep, for sure. All right. Peace. Hey everybody, this is Jetpack Nick, and you just listened to another episode of the Howl Talk Podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, topic ideas, or you yourself would like to come on as a guest on the Howl Talk Podcast, you can reach us at our email, thehowltalkpodcast at gmail.com, and across all social media platforms at the Howl Talk Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and remember, no talk is too shallow over here at the Hollow. <laughs>